Podcasters, hear me. It is true what many of you have heard. You need to have your entire podcast library hosted. And as I speak, the solution is here. I stand here before you, truthfully, unafraid, because the Podcaster Matrix is here. Let us shake these microphones, guests, and legacies. Plug into the real-world podcast hosting solution now at podcastermatrix.com. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show providing you with entertainment, a sharing of viewpoints, and fun. Join us as we venture into the world of entertainment and discuss a variety of topics, from television shows, DVDs, feature films, and more. This week, Two Guys Talking... Independence Day, 1996. Alien invasion movies are the stuff of popcorn-popping legend. Give me a quality, memorable, fun-to-digest movie that can be accessed via DVD, Blu-ray, or even via internet-based magic any day of the week. In 1996, the creative force of another great movie and franchise called Stargate generated a rip-roaring, star-filled special effects extravaganza called Independence Day, which made out like a bandit both in the box office and in our collective entertainment hearts that continues to satisfy to this day. It's time to jump into our flight suits, power up the F-16s, our podcasting gear, and always bolstering nostalgia because it's time for the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Independence Day. 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich, here on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Scott Roberts, your other host. Scott, I'm so happy to have you inside the Two Guys Talking studio today to talk about Independence Day 1996. Oh, big movie. I loved this movie when I was just a wee tot. Well, actually, I was in my 20s when it came out. (laughs) But it's a big nostalgic favorite, and it's something I've been wanting to review for a long time. Yeah, and I think all of the memories surrounding this, especially the satisfaction rate of what you can get from a movie like this, every time you put it in, in particular as they come out with new editions like the Blu-rays and stuff, there's always something new that pops up. There's more trivia that pops up inside of things like the Internet Movie Database, and there's always something new to be gleaned from a movie like this. So I'm terribly satisfied to be able to take it into the perspective review of two guys talking today via our Nostalgia Engine. Before we jump in with both feet, let's talk a little bit of housekeeping. Scott, you and I are lovers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, true? Oh, huge, huge fan. Yeah. A lot of the perspective reviews that we do at Two Guys Talking are actually Marvel-based. So we also have taken on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show that appears on ABC, that is actually kind of the triple A, the feeding ground for everything that happens inside of the Marvel Universe. Each of those episodes is something that you and I go through point by point and review inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. And this show has had huge potential, Mm -hmm. and it's basically an extension of the whole film universe, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. on our TVs every day. And and I like the whole farm team analogy you give, Mm -hmm. because so far we've seen a couple of villain origin stories. Mm -hmm. Which I thought were great. It's really tough to go and find really quality villains, but then also to explain their origin stories. I think that's brilliant. 
using the television series as a kind of a breeder ground, again, a triple A, to pull that into the cinematic universe. I totally see some cross coming. Oh, I do too. And as the new Marvel Cinematic movies come out, especially Captain America, The Winter Soldier this mm-hmm. spring, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see how they tie all of us in with the TV show. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So make sure everybody checks out our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast going through everything inside of the televised HD smaller screen universe on ABC. You can find out all the details over at Agents of shield.tv those of you that have been following our following podcast which follows the following on fox do you follow follow each and every week (laughs) the bacon flavored episodes of kevin bacon and a a growing cast of people that put themselves into peril and awkward and goony situations inside of the following on fox we cover all of that inside of the following podcast available over at the following podcast.com That's a lot of followings. But if you're not a follower of the following podcast, we invite you to go over there right now. Yeah. And if you don't go to the website at thefollowingpodcast.com, then you should go over and follow us at our Facebook presence for the following podcast. That's facebook.com forward slash the following podcast for the following podcast following the following on Fox. I think we should slip in one more following. Scott, it's time to get straight to the perspective review of 1996's Independence Day, directed by Roland Emmerich. Welcome to Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day. The hype. Scott, do you remember where you saw the trailer for this film? I actually do. It was Super Bowl, and I don't remember the name of the Super Bowl. But early in 96, and I think this was one of the really first trailers that came out several months before the movie that Mm -hmm. I remembered. Mm -hmm. I think it was pretty much unprecedented before that, that a trailer, you know, several months would show actual clips from the movie Mm -hmm. instead of just some other type of uh, B-roll type material. Like uh, the original Superman movie had, I think, a whole year before that movie came out. But it was like zero footage from the movie. Mm-hmm. It was like the perspective of a airplane flying through clouds. And it kind of gave some of the credits, some of the actors who were going to be in the movie. This actually showed big clips of the movie. And what I remembered, it was shadows passing over New York, over Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And it finally culminated with the famous shot of the alien craft blowing up the White House. Mm-hmm. And this got me, whoa, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Then they said something like, you know, summer or July. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we have to wait that long? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that trailer. I just don't remember being tied to anything Super Bowl bound. What I do remember, though, is that it was a beginning of one of those trends that I knew I would not like. Showing giant depictions of what's going to happen inside of movies is something I've always had a bunch of ire towards. I, I, the, the showcasing of money inside of trailers is a necessary evil. I will absolutely grant that. But the the general let's show all of our money shots inside of this 45 to minute and a half advertisement for the movie, not a fan. But you know what? I don't think they gave away all the money shots. There are so many big money shots in a movie, mm-hmm. but there was just name, enough name to the get bigger you one, excited. Name the one bigger that's bigger than blowing up the White House. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, blowing up L.A. Or, or, or any of the aerial battles. Maybe that kind of fits in there, too. <laughs> true, true. And I mean, th- that's one of the cool parts. And we'll be talking about that later, the visuals inside of the movie. The hype for me inside this film, this was another, you know, a giant blockbuster. You knew that it was coming. Mm-hmm. This was going to be the in the dead of summer, 
blockbuster, ready to roll on the weekend of July 4th. Just a destroying mechanism inside of the summer filmdom. And it was. It was huge. Do you remember where you saw this movie, Scott? I do. It was Ronnie's Cinema in South County here in the St. Louis, Missouri area. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't know, Ronnie's now is actually our main Googleplex of movies for both uh, giant Omnimax screen showings, as well as 3D showings. That is one of the meccas here inside of St. Louis now for showing, uh, I won't call it upper crust movie content, but big upper crust movie content because of the Omni screen that's there. Oh, yeah. I saw this movie over at the Depair 12, I think it was back then. It was right there off of 270 and... Oh, I've seen movies over yeah, there, too. and it, it was an extraordinary theater then. Uh, it's gotten a little bit older and decrepit by now, because, I mean, it's so many years later, but I remember vividly seeing it. The other thing I remember, too, was the parking lot being absolutely filled to capacity, which is not something that you see inside of movie theaters nowadays. You just, you don't see that often. And so I remember vividly, it was an afternoon, I think we went and saw that 540 show to go and see this, and then went out to dinner afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those movies that after you go and see it, and you go out to dinner with friends, it conjures so much discussion, a lot of which we're actually going to share here inside of the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Independence Day. Oh my God, oh my God, it's Two Guys Talking. Independence Day! The money! Scott, do you have any idea at all what it's raised to date domestic total gross? Well, unlike previous perspective review hosts who have no idea, <laughs> I'm one of those people who look at places like Box Office Mojo every week. Mm -hmm. So even though it's you, so you put cheated, it in the notes, I, I would have already known this. But domestically, it's grossed $306 million. Yeah, and that's a ton of money, folks. And that's, again, to date, the foreign take for this movie is $511 million. So for a worldwide gross total of $817 million. That's gargantuan. It's beyond gargantuan. It, and again, it's, it's what's fueling what is that waft of there being a sequel or a follow-up. Not so much a sequel, but a follow-up. Mm -hmm. And you have to think those are 1996 dollars too, mm -hmm. 17 mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, this would easily be over a billion dollars today. Yeah, yeah. And again, an extraordinary set of numbers that just continues to be another corn combine of cash of movie making. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day. The good. The characters. This movie was chock full of characters. And not just like there's one awesome one and then a bunch of other crappy ones. Everybody had a tasty little bit of meat, though there were a couple of crappy ones. Uh, but there was a whole ton of people inside this movie that really had some some chops and some interest inside of the movie that was generated here. Very colorful. And for what they had as far as actual writing, mm -hmm. they did a pretty good job of acting as well. Yeah, I agree. The first person we'll touch on is... Captain Stephen Hiller, Will Smith. Oh, what can you say about this? I mean, this Independence Day was the movie that made him a big megastar. Well, and I think continues to make him a megastar. There's been, what, five or six Will Smith-based movies in the last five years? Eh. But, you know, he had a long, long stretch of blockbusters with oh, and the Men in Black yeah. movies. He'll, 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 con he'll continue to have a long stretch of movies. I, I can't possibly take that away from him. He's one of the most energetic, power-infused stars that we have inside of Hollywood today, without question. Oh, and by the way, he's a black dude. So lots and lots of stuff is going to get thrown his way. Whether or not he's making marks with it is another question. Mm -hmm. But inside of this one, no doubt about it, there is one mostly egotistical, able to take off his ego hat and put on another hat guy that cares, but then is able to instantly, when it matters, go back to the egotistical hat 
And it is Will Smith inside this movie. And you never think for a single moment that he's egotistical. No. He's just cocksure and confident when he needs to be. Yeah. Funny, delivering the one-liners. Mm-hmm. He needs to be you know, touching and dramatic and other points. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of anyone else just touching on all these things as well as Will does. I think that's very well said. I, I don't know another actor that has as much power, but also the ability to step into a back seat when someone else is in the foreground and not ruin it. I don't know another actor to date that could probably pull that off. Oh, yeah. And you would have to think if anybody would play this more charismatically. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He would be totally irritating. Yeah, I totally agree with that. President Thomas Whitmore, Bill Pullman. Another breakout role for Bill Pullman. He hasn't really done much of anything that I've cared for otherwise, mostly because I think he's done a bunch of bleeding heart romantic comedy crap that I probably wouldn't watch anyway. I think he's one of the great MIAs right now as far as movies. What has he appeared in lately? I did glance at his IMDb page Uh lately, and he's still making movies. Mm -hmm. They just happen to be very, very under-the-radar type stuff. Very interesting. And I've never not liked Bill Pullman. My guess is that I could probably watch any of the movies that are listed inside of his IMDb listing and be just fine with Bill Pullman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, he's another person that inside of this movie, he pulled off the role wonderfully. He was an incredibly charismatic president. His touching, feeling moments, in, in particular when his wife is dying and about to die, especially with his daughter, I thought were incredibly touching and, and very heartfelt. Yeah. And you have to remember, back around this time, there were a lot of movie presidents. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, I think this is the best movie president of all time, even taking into consideration Harrison Ford in Air Force One. I will take exception to that, and I'm certain that's a discussion you, that you and I could have. But I'll tell you what, let's call the audience. What do you guys think? Who has been, to date, the best movie president was it bill pullman as president thomas whitmore or someone else inside the cinematic universe let us know what you think by going over to our facebook presence that's facebook.com forward slash two guys talking that's the number two guys talking start up a new thread and mention who you think has been the best cinematic president to date david levinson jeff goldblum yeah this is typical jeff goldblum Mm -hmm. it's just his little quirky Stuttering, not stuttering, but just the way he just kind of repeats, lot, kind of repeats. Lots, stuff, uh, yeah, lots, uh, 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 lots of awing uh, and uh, some uh, stilted moments where I'm going to lay on a whole bunch of information that you probably don't understand, but uh, 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 you're going to love it all. You Check know what out. I mean? Check them out. Do your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is one of the actors I love to call dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Two or three bites of it. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to get really, really <laughs> old. The other movie that I love with Jeff Goldblum is the original Jurassic Park, where he pulls off exactly what I want to be getting from Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. And he pulls over a very akin character inside of this movie as well, where I can stand him and he, he doesn't go overboard with the Jeff Goldblumism. And so this is one of the breakout roles easily for him for me. He was fun to watch. And if there wouldn't have been this giant ensemble cast, I think he would have gotten really irritating there's no doubt about that but he didn't he fit right Mm -hmm. in the stuff he did was you know comical at times Mm -hmm. uh provided a lot of exposition Mm -hmm. so i really liked him yeah his exposition scenes in here are the stuff of really cinematic legend he's able to jump into them you totally buy that he's able to talk all the techiness and it it all is going to sound exactly perfect Mm -hmm. and he pulls it off with precision great stuff from jeff goldblum russell case Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid is a love-hate relationship in itself. Hey, Clark, the shitter's full. Whether or not you like Randy (laughs) Quaid at all, the bottom line is that we mentioned him inside of this cast listing because without him, I think we'd have been much worse off. 
you know what? A really unique perspective. And I think during the director's commentaries, they mentioned something that the character of Russell Case was the everyman. Now, all the other characters were kind of tied in, you know, with the official decision-making process. Mm -hmm. But he was just the regular guy out there. Mm -hmm. But then you get the whole quirky alcoholic comic relief, Mm -hmm. just the -the over-the-top goofiness Mm -hmm. that he brought in. Mm -hmm. In very small amounts, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Now, I know in the extended edition, there were several more scenes with him in there, Mm -hmm. uh, especially dealing with his youngest son, who was sick in the movie. The regular theatrical version really didn't touch on that at all. Mm -hmm. But he was looking for penicillin. When all the people driving the RVs got together, he was searching for medicine for his son. When he all got to Area 51, he pinned one of the doctors at Area 51 against the wall, and he was wanting his son to be treated. That was way out of character than what we saw in a theatrical version. Yes. Thank God they cut all that out. Yeah. It was like a, trying to portray him as a super serious concern about his kids type guy. We didn't need him. Well, no, and it, it actually added to the time inside of the film, which this, yeah. this film absolutely did not need. Uh, again, he is another one of those characters in just about everything that he appears in that I can stomach just a tiny little bit of. And they give it to us in doses in the theatrical version of this film in just the right dose. Exactly. I, I really do believe that. Dr. Oaken. Brent Spiner. Now, being a longtime Star Trek fan, as is Scott here, having Brent Spiner appear in a movie about aliens, I thought it was terribly apropos. And I I didn't pay attention to the cast listing at all. I had no idea he was in this movie at all. I didn't either. And the instant you see his gargantuan (laughs) nose and buggy eyes, you go, look, it's Data. (laughs) With long, hippie hair. Oh, it's hilarious. (laughs) And they, they put him in essentially as this guy that's been in since the beginning who's tried to nurture along the the appearance and the the existence in general of aliens and the alien technology, I thought it was extraordinary. And you can see he is all in. There's there's <laughs> no doubt about Dr. Oaken. He's absolutely both feet, both hands, torso, everything in. And I thought it was an extraordinary role. He just unfortunately gets killed. Well, actually, Mike, I don't know if they get killed. It was hinted around that he was only in a coma at the very end. Coma. Okay. With a possibility that he could appear in the sequels, which we will get to. Could we the have had Russell review. Case in a coma? I mean, that would have been much more appropriate. I would have loved Dr. <laughs> Oaken to be in the plane, flying the plane into the ass of this spaceship to end the, the entire movie. That, that would have been, been awesome. way too much. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Dr. Oaken here, totally goofy, over the top, oh, yeah. but just great fun to watch. Yeah. Harry Connick Jr. as the illustrious Captain Jimmy Wilder. Captain Jimmy Raven Wilder. I've got him right here. <laughs> yeah, he just had to get one little singing moment. Oh, he's a singer in real life. Well, I and he also that. had to get in his mimicking uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, which is another thing that he's terribly known for. Uh, and I mean, he he pulled it off. It was the part that needed to be there, and it was. It was that not quite irritating, but at heart, best friend of Will Smith's character inside this movie that is also a pilot. Yeah, very small role. And he was perfect for it. Yeah. Something a lot of people might not know. I know Mike hates him, but Matthew Perry of Friends was originally cast in this role and at the last minute bowed out because of scheduling conflicts. Yeah, scheduling conflicts, i.e. everyone hates him. (laughs) Pretty sure. Anyway, Harry Connick Jr. came to the rescue well, not quite rescue, of Will Smith inside this movie. But he played a great part as he went down in flames. Literally. Jimmy! No! He's right there! Vivica A. Fox, Robert Loggia, Judd Hirsch, James Rebhorn, Margaret Colin. 
Just a terrific ensemble cast. Superbly rounded out. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day. Beginning on the moon. Digging into lore. Wow, this is a gold moment inside of this movie. And just about any other movie that's used this, even bad ones like Apollo 18, where they dig into the lore of something that lots and lots of people care about, i.e. the American space program. You can't dig deeper, especially into people that have a love of human spaceflight, like I know I do, than digging into especially previous missions inside of especially the, the Apollo program. Mm-hmm. And so using this, that giant opening shot of a thunderous something going over the moon landing spot and shaking the dirt. Causing a big moon quake, yeah. Just incredibly, incredibly inspiring and totally engaging. When you are a minute and a half into this movie, you are completely ready for the movie. And I don't know a lot of movies that do that. There's some that have kind of a, a building crescendo at the beginning, and very few get you absolutely ready within the first minute and a half. And this is one of them. Oh, yeah. And just like you, I'm just a huge fan of the space program. I love stuff like Apollo 13 mm-hmm. or the HBO miniseries From the Earth to the Moon. Both awesome. Both completely stellar, belongs in everyone's DVD or Blu-ray collection. Yeah. But when I saw this, it's like, yes, very cool, the mm-hmm. landing site at the Sea of Tranquility. Mm-hmm. And then you see something really historic like that mix in with the present and something big and ominous. Mm-hmm. And you see the dark, dark shadow that the mothership cast over. And it's almost like a little homage to the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah. When you see the big Star Destroyer coming overhead, mm-hmm. this came in overhead the same way. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm, I'm loving this already. Yeah, I love that. You, you take just about any movie and throw in some moon landing... Human spaceflight lore for me, and I'm I'm absolutely hooked. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's two guys talking. Independence Day. Perfectly set up, both the ensemble cast plus the adversary with intense pacing. Now, Scott, you've said it here inside the notes. Intense pacing, pacing in general, will win awards for me every day of the year. Yeah, pacing inside of just about any television program or movie. You can even take crappy content, whether it be movie or television-based, and you can do something great with it if you've got extraordinary pacing. And it's showcased here perfectly. And you have to think of all the previous sci-fi movies and disaster movies, and think of how they brought in giant ensemble casts before. In particular, the first 15, 20 minutes when they introduce everybody. Mm -hmm. Often you'll see the big threat kind of come in the first minute or two, kind of like this. Mm -hmm. But then we'll go to a slice of life, and we'll see everybody and just kind of in their own little worlds. Oh, how are they doing? Mm-hmm. And the pacing suffers. The tone really drops down. It gets all quiet. Mm-hmm. Not in this movie. In between all the introduction scenes, we immediately get a sense of this dread, this mm-hmm. ominous enemy coming. I mean, they cut the shots of, you know, the military and a satellite and a big, huge city-sized ships coming out of the mothership. Mm-hmm. You continue to see that, and the pacing is just frenetic, and it's just wonderful, and it gets you excited all the way through. And again, I have to stress the beginning of this movie. There's not a slow moment, and all the way up until the moment where they blast the cities into oblivion, I don't think they really let their hands off of your neck. No, I, I totally agree with that. In fact, I, I would almost compare it to a comet with some sort of magnetic ability. The story inside of the movie in general is a, g- a slowly moving comet, but a giant one. 
that has some sort of magnetic pull of the other players inside of the movie, and it gloms onto the bigger part of what's going on inside the movie, and then culminates again when the countdown ends inside of this movie. Just really great stuff from, again, director Roland Emmerich. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's two guys talking. Independence Day! The effects. Special effects back in the 90s was always a crapshoot. Regardless of how much money you spend, you still don't know whether or not you're going to get decent special effects. And I think that's where we get Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, again, the creative force behind Stargate, being able to create stuff that I think a lot of it really does hold up still to this day. And they did a phenomenal job. You have to remember that the 1990s were the onset of CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people were just using them more and more just to kind of highlight and put special emphasis on what was already used as special effects, mm-hmm. in particular, you know, green screens, blue screens, miniatures, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. there. And I don't know exactly how much CGI was used, but I'd read that Independence Day holds the record for the most miniatures used ever mm-hmm. in Hollywood history. Well, and I don't doubt that. The, the value of almost all of the special effects inside this movie, again, still to this day, is eye-grabbing every time that you watch it. There's always something interesting. I think there are very few moments inside of here where you can, obviously, you can discern that the alien ship blowing up is not actually an alien ship blowing up. We get that. But the the standout effects that are good in a, in a positive way completely outweigh anything that could be considered a negative special effect inside this movie. And I can I can look at effects now today inside of television and inside of movies that I think look reasonably cheesy. And you don't have any of that inside of Independence Day at all. The bar for quality was held incredibly high. And using those old classic miniature slash speeding up frame sets slash practical effects in ways that can be molded into a modern day showcase absolutely home run inside of this movie i know and people like us we complain a lot about the cgi Mm -hmm. and deservedly so a lot of the cgi like you said looks cheesy Mm -hmm. and we kind of know what a cgi even if it kind of looks real Mm -hmm. and detailed there just isn't that same look to it Mm -hmm. it has a different sheen to it the lighting something is just off Mm -hmm. and when you use miniatures like this it looks like it's part of the real world Mm -hmm. because technically it is. Mm -hmm. And there are very, very few effect shots that just don't hold up today. Most of them look just as modern as anything out there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day. Explosions and fireballs. And, oh, yeah, more explosions. (laughs) This is, for those of you that need to have some sort of drinking game and explosions, well... This is your weekend in, a, uh, in essentially two hours and 19 minutes. There's no doubt about that. You'd be in a coma by, <laughs> by <laughs> <Yeah>. the 30-minute mark. <laughs> lots and lots of explosions and fireballs and lots of doom. I mean, it doesn't get any more doomsday than look at the aliens hovering above all of our major cities on the planet and them striking us down. <laughs> it doesn't mm. get any more doomsday than that. So, again, the gratuitous stuff that happens inside of this movie, there is no doubt at all, and it's all wonderful oh yeah and the part i love i don't know if it's completely realistic with physics but when the alien ships enter the earth's atmosphere there's just a giant fire surrounding them the big fire clouds Mm -hmm. 
I love that because, you know, things like that falling to the Earth's atmosphere would cause a lot of friction. Oh, yeah. Everything causes an explosion from beginning to end. So I don't know if there's anybody who hasn't seen the movie and is listening to this. But if you totally geek out about explosions and fire and just everything like that, this is the movie for you. This is your wet dream. Absolutely. There, uh, the other thing about the giant fire cloud entering the Earth's atmosphere that you mentioned it's a wonderful part inside of one of the Blu-ray features that's available inside of the Blu-ray that you can get for Independence Day. And it's very akin to what happened inside of Star Trek II originally back in the 1980s. That same filming process was used inside of this because, again, ding, 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 miniatures as opposed to a bunch of digital stuff that's going on inside a computer someplace. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day. Non-gratuitous, no explodey bodies like Spielberg's War of the Worlds or Transformers 3. <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we just mentioned the explosions and that are gratuitous, but th this thing right here, I think probably any alien invasion movie nowadays would kind of have to feature this, where the actual bodies explode into dust or vapor or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. and be very, I don't know, frightening the kids. Mm -hmm. And Independence Day, on the other hand, had none of that. Right. Somewhere inside of a previous Two Guys Talking perspective review, I'd actually mentioned War of the Worlds from Steven Spielberg. And the reason I mentioned it is because of his submersion activity inside of all of his filmmaking. No matter what he makes, he instantly submerges you inside of filmmaking. And inside of War of the Worlds, no doubt about it, you are in an alien invasion movie, period, paragraph. And I actually mentioned that part about bodies being exploded into dust and you see the clothes just kind of fall down from the power of the blast and just people are absolutely essentially incinerated into ash is what it kind of looked like. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was incredibly well done because you don't see a pile of guts landing on the ground. You literally see people running and then you just see poof, a shattering of clothes and dust and fear. And that, that the bolstering of those three items over and over again inside of that one particular sequence inside of War of the Worlds where essentially people are getting chased down and shot. Yeah. I thought that was incredibly well done because that piece of something that's going on that's negative, okay, well, there it is. And it doesn't get any more intense than, look, there's a person. Look, now there's not a person and just kind of wafting down clothes and ash. I, I thought that was terribly effective. But you're absolutely right here where there's no explodey bodies and there's in particular there's no gore inside of this movie in general uh we had talked about jokingly about the the white milk chicken breast moment inside of the alien uh, autopsy here which is actually a piece <laughs> of you know haha -ha lore of ufos and aliens in general the mm -hmm. alien autopsy it's always been a giant thing inside of the lore but we get that here inside of the movie there's some doubt about that yeah, and I don't know exactly what it is that kids find scary nowadays. Mm -hmm. If it were me, I would find the explodey, blowing in the vapor bodies a lot more ominous and fearful than just cities being blown up. Mm -hmm. So to me, this was a little bit more non-gratuitous in that way, mm -hmm. where you don't have to completely go, oh, we can do this with CGI, let's just go ahead and do this. Instead, we just get something very fun, and I guess it allows it to be more fun, allows it to be more goofy and cheesy and cornballish, mm -hmm. and not just having that really super serious dread kind of uh, put a chill on our hearts watching mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. There's way more disaster movie ness that's going on inside of this movie than there is Alien Invasion, and I think mm -hmm. that's a good thing, especially with this movie's built, uh, which actually leads us to our next point. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. It's two guys talking. Independence Day! Wonderful work in integrating Roswell, New Mexico, Area 51 in Nevada, alien lore, and more. Now this it really is nice. We mentioned involving human spaceflight lore at the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. but here we also mention what I think has become kind of a conspiracy lore that continues to rain down from a variety of sources, including a podcast on our Two Guys Talking podcast network, The Conspiracy Agents, who have actually talked about the very first UFO, which was not Roswell, New Mexico. It was actually here in Missouri, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Did you know that, Scott? Something I didn't even know before the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's something that we encourage everybody to look at. It's The Conspiracy Agents podcast, where they talk about not only aliens, but ghosts and Bigfoot and a variety of other really great conspiracy-based content. That's with Kevin Hawthorne, Dr. Michael Lynch, and of course the newbie, Vicki Main, who is a registered nurse slash medium slash psychic, who brings a completely different level of storytelling and fact-finding mission inside of the Conspiracy Agents. You can find everything about the Conspiracy Agents out right now over at conspiracyagents.com. Be sure to check those out and listen to all of those podcasts as well, because I guarantee you, just like you'll find out about the first UFO that was here inside of Missouri you'll find out a bunch of other great things about topics you thought you knew everything about. Mm -hmm. Back to this, it's just written so well as one of the major settings of the Mm -hmm. second half of the movie. Oh, yeah. I know so many other TV shows and movies have just kind of shoehorned Area 51 in there, and it just didn't seem right. Mm -hmm. This seems perfect. The way they integrated it with the alien invasion story. Yeah. So every all of that fit in naturally. The alien invasion stuff is awesome. The other thing that's cool inside of here is plausible deniability. The way that they <laughs> build that in, I, I love it when shows, and it's why all the conspiracy stuff is so wonderful to me, when they can weave in the alien facts, quote unquote, with real life facts. Like there is an Area 51 there is a New Mexico. There is a Roswell, well, New Mexico. Well, yeah, it's not just a conspiracy thing. There is an actual place there, but what goes on there is the big secret. All comes into question. And things like this help to lay on, again, quote-unquote validity to all of those claims. And that's why I think this is brilliant. It really is good. Because eventually what happens is, especially over time, and now it's been how many years? It's been 17 years. Yeah, 17 years. In 17 years, I'm certain that someone has seen something inside of this movie that is actually conspiracy-based that has now become something fact in their lives. I guarantee it. I don't know what it would be, but there's something inside of this movie that somebody would think is fact inside of this movie. No, probably. During one of these scenes contains probably my favorite comedy line of the movie. Oh, yeah. Where they're talking about, you know, well, where do you get the funding for all this? Mm-hmm. And then here comes Judd Hirsch, who plays Julius Levinson to the mm-hmm. rescue. Mm-hmm. He says, well, you really don't think they spend $20,000 on a hammer or $30,000 on a toilet seat, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and for the younger people listening to this, you might not catch that kind of reference. Mm-hmm. Well, because, I don't think it would be used nowadays. I really don't. Because I, I, I think it was the early 90s when reports came out. That there are just gross, vast government overspending. Mm-hmm. That you know, government contracts or whatever, they were spending five bucks a piece on a nail mm-hmm. or a hammer cost five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was big news back then. Mm-hmm. So that was still kind of topical and on people's minds. Mm-hmm. And I got one of the biggest laughs in the theater. I remember I, that. Oh, it's true, and it's also one of those great quality things because I think really great movies, especially ones that involve doom and alien invasion and everything else, they're going to grab something out of the existing news stream so that not only does it impact the people that are listening, but very 
very often things inside of a, a news stream will recur over history. Mm-hmm. And so they become timeless. And this movie, there's no question about it. There are some things that set this into the 90s time, like what the cell phones look like and the things around us and the car types, yes. But this is a timeless movie. You watch this movie and you could be watching it any time for the next 30 years and it would be timeless. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day! Yet another movie creator for one-liners that rule. I don't even know where to count how many one-liners are inside of this movie, and all of them that are awesome. Oh, yeah. And there's there's very movie... few movies that come out nowadays that you could go, boy, that movie just generated 15 one-liners, and they were all good. And they're all good. All of the ones inside this movie, regardless of who says them, they're all good. Yeah. You have to think, the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still with Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. or Battle Los Angeles. Think of all the great one-liners. Except that you can't. You can't. Yeah, nothing like this. <laughs> but this all. movie was the perfect hotbed for all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was fun and campiness and excitement mm-hmm. and all kinds of things going on. Layered. Totally. Mm-hmm. Completely layered. Yeah. So there was room for all that, and there were just smart, fun writing involved. I, like I said, the perfect hotbed for great jokes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day! The cutout scenes and features inside the DVD slash Blu-ray. Now, Scott, I am holding in my hot little hand the Blu-ray presentation, the 1080p HD Master Audio Beyond High Definition version of Independence Day, of course, with the explodey White House on the front. <laughs> one of the most iconic scenes of the movie. There, totally yeah. iconic. And uh, one of the many, really. And I know that you said you had listened to or started listening to the Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin commentary inside of this i actually went the other way and listened to the commentary by special effects supervisors volker england and doug smith and that's why and where you're going to find out about all of the detail of the special effects that go on inside of this movie Uh, that and the features that are actually included on the dvd presentation that are also inside of this they are beyond awesome you'd mentioned about cities being destroyed and in particular new york there's four or five different devastating scenes that happen inside of new york alone Mm -hmm. and the destruction of the chrysler building in particular is one to go back and learn more about because it is extraordinary how they did it and i'm not going to spoil it for you because i want you to go Mm -hmm. and listen how it was done but it is extraordinary and it's that uncommon thinking inside of an uncommon situation where you can kind of bend the rules because you don't have to make it look like anything real. It just has to look phenomenal. <laughs> and they realize that. It, yeah. And it really does. It does. All of the explosions, regardless of how ridiculous they may, you may think they look, they all are phenomenal. They're all extraordinary. And there's something that are absolutely pierced into your brain. I'm showing Scott again the, the front cover of this with the explodey White House on the front. Okay, well, there it is, Scott, right there. It's the explodey White House. Remember that scene? And, of course, Scott remembers that scene. Oh, wait a minute. Was that in this movie? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And there's so many scenes like that from stem to stern. It's just totally impactful and something that you absolutely should not miss. This Blu-ray presentation in particular, and, again, that's the beyond high-definition version at uh, 1080p, and it's 9 bucks right now down at any of the local whatever marts. And you should absolutely get it because it's a perfect addition to anybody's library. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Independence Day. The soundtrack. 
I know all of you are sick of Mike Wilkerson talking about soundtracks, both inside of television programs and feature films, but I will never stop. And you shouldn't. Soundtracks are so underrated. I challenge anybody to go back and watch 10 minutes of this movie, in particular inside of one of the awesome scenes. I don't like Explody White House scene. Go back in there and turn the sound off real quick. And tell me how fast your heart is pumping. Because it's a complete game changer. You take that, you take out any of the aerial battles, you take out even the even the quietest moments inside of this movie, and you take out the soundtrack, you have something completely different. And so manufacturing that Another layer of that strange onion that successful movies make is absolutely the soundtrack. Not only that, there are just so many memorable themes mm-hmm. now. Yeah. You know, both Mike and I are huge John Williams fans. Yeah. And you could, I could just listen to that kind of stuff literally all day long. Me too. Know exactly what scenes the particular soundtrack piece fits mm-hmm. to, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, composer David Arnold here in the Independence Day soundtrack does it John Williams style, and that's not you know an insult or anything to him. Just so many great, memorable pieces, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, you know exactly what part of the movie that this song will fit to, mm-hmm. or, or this little piece. Mm-hmm. But it's just so layered. There's quiet moments. There's the big exciting ones, uh, just like what's being played beneath us right mm-hmm. now. Right, right. You cannot have a movie of this caliber without a great soundtrack, and right. this one has one. Right, and that's also where we push you guys over to our website. That's twoguystalking.com forward slash Independence Day, where you can buy both the DVD and Blu-ray, as well as the soundtrack to Independence Day, again by David Arnold, an extraordinary piece that takes you not only on adventures here on terrestrial Earth, but also beyond. Scott, it's time to take a break during the Two Guys Talking Independence Day perspective review. But first, a bit of trivia. Scott, what have you got? Well, everyone knows that R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It was played near the beginning of the movie during the whole study scene. Mm -hmm. But what song was originally picked to be played in its place? Scott, that's a great question. We'll have that answer when we come back for the second half of the Independence Day Perspective Review from Two Guys Talking. We'll be right back. Are you following the following podcast? There's never been a mission more critical. Join the two guys talking following now by accessing thefollowingpodcast.com and become one of the following today. Followingpodcast.com Thefollowingpodcast.com Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. 
This is Paul's tree service. A person is calling through Relay, Missouri. This is operator. Yeah, but we're not interested. Who is that? Uh, just one of those annoying telemarketers. Wrong. You just hung up on a customer. One who wanted to spend money with your business. A customer who happens to be deaf, hard of hearing, or who has a speech disability. Calling you through Relay, Missouri. Relay Missouri is a free service that allows people who are deaf, hard of hearing, or who have a speech disability to communicate over the telephone with you and your business. Don't hang up. This could be new business. For more information on Relay Missouri, take a minute to log on to RelayMissouri.com and open the door to a whole new group of customers. Become part of a growing community that is silent but can speak volumes for your business. Relay Missouri brings the hearing and deaf, hard of hearing, and people with speech disabilities together at no charge with no sign-up and no monthly fee. Log on to RelayMissouri.com and find out how you can start communicating with these new customers today. Are you a vampire fan? How about werewolves? Then you're probably already watching True Blood on HBO, but are you listening to the review of each episode of True Blood via the Fangbanger podcast? Check out great point-by-point discussion that leaves you with a thirst for more. It's the Fangbanger podcast. Fangbangerpodcast.com. That's fangbangerpodcast.com. Are you a blogger? Always wanted to be one? Are you a business that wants to add a blog to their website? Are you an existing blogger who's looking for more traffic? Then check out bloggersbug.com for the perfect solution to your blog creation needs. Access bloggersbug.com now and get bit by the blogger's bug. How? Check out bloggersbug.com for the perfect solution to your blog creation needs. Get bit by the blogger's bug bloggersbug.com get bit by the bloggers bug hi this is david Creed, host of the fangbanger podcast don't forget to check out the two guys talking perspective review of die hard over at two guys talking.com forward slash die hard that's the number two guys talking.com forward slash die hard Everyone, welcome back to the Two Guys Talking Independence Day Perspective Review, a unique and detailed review of Roland Emmerich's Independence Day, 1996. Scott, as we went to break during the Independence Day Perspective Review, you had a great trivia question. Everyone knows that R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It was played near the beginning Mm -hmm. during the SETI scenes. Mm -hmm. And the question was, what song was originally slated to play in that little spot? And the answer is, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Excellent. And I would have been fine with that song, too. It's one of my favorites. It would have been appropriate, yeah. Totally appropriate. (laughs) And actually, in a, I won't say a bigger piece of the lexicon, but the wheelhouse for this film, I think that song would have been wonderfully used inside of this as well. Do we know why it wasn't used? Does it say licensing rights, or they wanted to make money or something? I don't know. Maybe just a last-minute decision. Interesting, interesting. That's That's a great piece of trivia for Independence Day. Scott, just as we have goods inside the perspective reviews, there's also... The bad. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's two guys talking. Up yours. And that was your plan? So a single PowerBook Mac from 1996 can hack into and take over a ginormous alien craft a quarter the size of our moon, and that has technology hundreds or thousands of years ahead of our own? 
But it's the movies. Eh, we just right. kind of buy into it. Control, alt, delete. <laughs> Hit F5. Good to go. <laughs> so, and I mean, this is the plight and the, the trope often that's used inside of Alien Invasion. How are we going to get over on the movies that unfortunately was also used inside of Independence Day? Yeah, it's one of those really goofy, goony things that just bugged the crap out of me when I saw this. Right. Even back then, you know, mm-hmm. when I was first starting to get into IT. Well, I think a lot of people were smart enough to kind of figure this out. It's Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. With all of the weaving that happens inside of the storytelling, to lay it on something that small and insignificant, very, very frustrating. And it is the premier bad inside of the listing of bads for Independence Day 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich. And there was a deleted scene that I think should have been in the theatrical version. Not that really makes up for this goofy little bad that we list, but it was a scene where Dr. Oaken and David Levinson go into the alien craft, and he kind of shows them around a little bit. Mm-hmm. He says, well, this steering thing, we believe it does this, where you can turn and pilot the ship. And then there was you know, the multi-window screen, and Dr. Oaken says... We have no idea what this crap is. But it was basically showing the lines, I guess, similar to the way the following alphanumeric characters fall in a matrix. Mm -hmm. Well, they're just a bunch of lines, and that's supposed to be the alien code, the signal. Mm -hmm. Now, David Levinson is able to kind of grab a hold of that somehow, and I can kind of see him... Via the direct TV dish. But I can kind of see him accessing it a little bit. I guess (sighs) innocent, just millions of lines of code flowing through there. But it's not totally forgiving, nor does it make up for this big, huge goofing anyway. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Up yours! The dumb kill-slash-disable-the-mothership and everything else becomes powerless trope. Just like what happens inside of, say, Phantom Menace or The Avengers. Those are two other big, giant, negative tropeness that goes inside of modern movie telling. It doesn't get any more modern and super duper successful than the Avengers. And inside of the Avengers, the instant you destroy the mothership with a giant explosion, everything else falls to the ground dead. No. Nobody builds an army like that so that you can destroy one thing and everything else dies. That's just crap. Gigantic ships like that, they don't have their own power source? Let alone the the little fighters? The suits. Our astronauts, each of their suits has its own power supply, its own air supply, its own water supply. So why would we think that some alien race thousands, if not millions of years ahead of us, would not come up with something akin to that that's infinitely smaller, way more defensible, and not able to just tear off and it's done? Why would you think that? And the answer is, because we got to do it this way. Yeah. Okay, well, it, I call BS on it's that. It's a shortcut with the writing. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Up yours! The city-sized spaceships are a direct ripoff of the TV series V, 1983. Yes. I mean, yes. They were. They were. And I suspect that the next alien ship that is a city-sized ship will look very much like this, as well as the ones inside of 1983's V. (laughs) No, I I know a lot of people didn't watch the remake of V that came out, was it 2009, Mm -hmm. 2010? There was only one thing I watched of that series. And it was that gorgeous woman that was now on Homeland. Oh, yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. She, I, I didn't I watch anything her name. else. She was very pleasant to look her, at. Her name is hot. 
That's it. <laughs> IMDb hot, you'll find her. <laughs> but I remember during the first episode of that, there were like a couple teenagers or something, one of the alien ships, the V ships, mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, the remake mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. kind of came overhead. And one of them said, oh, this is just like Independence Day. And the other kind of had a goofy line. He said, well, no, Independence Day was a ripoff of another sci-fi property made years ago. <laughs> of course, in reference to the first V series. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting to see that little poke, that little jab at ID4. Yeah, the difference, though, is that, of course, V didn't have a couple of Jewish guys that saved the day. So, meh. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Up yours! A single nuke, even our most powerful, can destroy the mothership of that size to smithereens? Even our most powerful nuke ever set off the Tsar bomb over in Russia, I don't think could do that much damage. <laughs> I mean, remember when they were flying inside the mothership? I mean, it had its own atmosphere and everything, mm-hmm. and giant columns and everything. Mm-hmm. It might have taken out one of those. But something a quarter of the size of the moon? <laughs> well, it's one of those believability things that we're always going to be terrorized, in particular inside of modern-day movie making. And it's just where you've got to swallow the pill and enjoy the ride. I hate that, <laughs> except when the movie's this satisfying. You totally get me over this bump and these other three or four speed bumps that we've got inside the negatives by having wonderful pace and decent storytelling. Instantly. Exactly. Instantly. Exactly. It, it makes you kind of forgive that or just see it as little tiny speed bumps as mm-hmm. opposed to a brick wall you run smack into. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's two guys talking. Up yours! America, trademark, saves the day again. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, the, the smart people from the United States... Save everybody's ass on the planet. All right. Well, good. Yeah. Well, we know it's an American-made movie. Anyway, um, I love America. I'm as patriotic as you can get. Kami. Uh, thank you, Mike. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but, Haktung, yeah. Scott. Haktung. <laughs> but the little part at the end where they're in the Middle East and the British soldiers are talking, it's like, well, this is from the Americans. They want to launch a counteroffensive. <laughs> What's well, about bloody time? Yeah. I mean, been, what were they doing all that time? We've been stewing in our own innards and, te- and, bad, and bad teeth this whole time. <laughs> yeah. And it is something that is, well, of course, the movie's made by a couple of Americans. So <laughs> I guess the Americans will save the day, right? <laughs> I guess so. Small speedball. we come to the part of the Independence Day 1996 directed by Roland Emmerich perspective review from Two Guys Talking and it's time for the rating of this film. Again our rating scale goes from 1 where definitely not the best better try again to 10 where it's time to put it in again. Scott what do you got? Well you know I think Independence Day is the quintessential popcorn movie. I can't think of any better example of a movie where you park your brain at the door you sit in, you have a rousing good time. Mm-hmm. Die Hard. Well, maybe. That's uh, rated R. You have to think something that appeals <laughs> to the masses. True. Okay, I'll so give you that. something PG, PG-13. Give you that. I mean, this was never set out to win major awards, mm-hmm. to be the most uh, cerebral, thought-provoking movie mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. You know, written in such a clever way. No. It's a good fun popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. Something you just go to, sit inside, and have a good time. 
you forget about these little nitpicks for a while. Mm -hmm. And you just get so engrossed in the characters and the story and the awesome pacing. Then when you've come to a part near the end of it where one of our missiles finally gets through the alien shield. And I remember people were cheering in Mm -hmm. a theater. Sure. You know, you have a perfect vehicle that appeals to a wide demographic, you know, male, female, just about anyone. Mm -hmm. It just, it's fun. It's exciting. And like I said, it's a perfect summer movie to go see. They don't make them exactly like this anymore. It's not a perfect (laughs) movie, but you know what? I don't care. My rating for this would be a 9 out of 10. I think that's very well said. There are very few films that can be instantly popped in or being surfed through and instantly make you stop and wonder exactly at which scene it is and then make you look at a clock and say, hmm, have I got another hour and 23 minutes or so to to wrangle this? I sure do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is one of those movies. There's no doubt about it. I love the lore. I love the tying in of human spaceflight. I love the involvement of aliens coming to destroy everything that we hold dear I love that there are machinations of us being able to watch the president try and escape. I love that we get not so much Russell, but a common look at what would happen. I think I would be one of the people that's inside of one of the RVs that are traveling the United States trying to not be destroyed because Mm -hmm. I can totally see that being another television series, frankly, that could be another opening to what we're going to talk about here inside of the franchise. But it is quintessential satisfaction, in particular on a day where you're stuck at home and don't know what to put into the Blu-ray or DVD player or to download via your friendly online movie service. This is it. This is one of those movies you can instantly grab, sit down, grab your popcorn, grab your snacks, and have a wonderful afternoon with all of your family. You were absolutely right in the Mm -hmm. last point on that. I give Independence Day also a 9 of 10 score. And so that's where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of Independence Day? 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich. Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash two guys talking. That's the number two guys talking. And let us know what you thought of this great movie from 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich. The franchise. Where it left us. So when we're done with this movie, there's a rounding, rousing, uh, heart-swelling soundtrack that's playing. It's all playing. The heroes are walking across the the desert and get big old hugs from their women in the the pre-coital moments of where they're going to create their next piece of family. And then you're left. That's really it. What you see, they pan over and they've got one of the giant city-sized ships that's crashed. Mm-hmm. And of course, inside all the aliens are dead because I guess all the aliens have to be dead inside because there's no way they could possibly live. Well, the entire thing was, you know, fire coming out of every window or whatever it was. Right. But <laughs> they're aliens. So anyway, the, the, the gist is that they've left us in a lurch of, well, we got those aliens on that mothership inside of all of these ships that were surrounding earth. Yes. But what about any of the other alien ships that now know that earth is here and that the people that are here know how to get past the shields? Well, that's the whole thing about dynamic conflict is that if Scott knows how to get through my shields and he kills me, 
Well, the show's kind of over at that point. But the, the gist inside of an alien culture would be then the alien culture then makes a new shield that can't be broken through with the same efforts. And they take that one and they go and kick American ass on the planet Earth. Yeah, they would put Norton antivirus on that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They would use something other than what can be hacked by a Mac. And then they would come here again and they would try and kick some more alien ass to avenge their brethren. And that might be where we're going. I mean, that they, it's a layup. It's just that it's been 17 years before it's ever been visited. And my guess is that they're trying to find something that it's creative, but also provides at least the same type of satisfaction that this movie did. And I think that's going to be their speed bump. I don't know that they can do that. I don't know either. It's, there's been lots of speculation on the internet, lots of rumors. Mm -hmm. Of course, 99% of it, I think, is just BS. Yeah, I agree with that. But I've heard things about, you know, the aliens coming back and having a ground invasion mm -hmm. or this or that. Mm -hmm. And the official date has kind of been bumped up a few times, but now the official dates are 2016 and 2017 for what they're calling ID4 Forever, part one and part two. Okay. Which are the official sequels. Of course, everything has to be a trilogy nowadays. I guess. So they have to have two parts. I assume there's some giant cliffhanger at the end of part one. Mm. But you're right. They... You mean the end of part two? Well, I think they're going to call it part one. Forever part one. <laughs> oh, that'll be perfect. ID number four, part one. Oh, forever. Part one. Which is really part of two. Of two, which is actually part two of three. Yeah. Okay, good. No, now what, that we've confused everybody third? listening Who's to this review, first? that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see where all that goes. Uh, the, the gist of coming up with a sequel for this movie, this is one of those movies I don't think deserves nor needs a sequel. I, I, if you can create something that's going to be latched onto something like this, then why don't you just make it its own standalone movie from the creators of Independence Day? I, I think that would be wonderful. Everything that I've heard inside the rumors is that Will Smith is not going to be attached. That's a big letdown. There. It's a huge letdown. If there was a star to push and have as a centerpiece on this, it doesn't get any bigger than Will Smith, who frankly could be president inside this next movie. A black president who was a former astronaut, who was a former fighter pilot, who helped save the day against the aliens. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? But he'd that's win a in a landslide. That's a slam dunk layup, and it could work out wonderfully. Except that it's not going to work out wonderfully, so please don't do it. <laughs> I mean, that that's the gist. You can have that perfect tailoring of the perfect lead character, and if the rest of it doesn't work, it's going to suck. So I hope that they don't bother. I want to have Independence Day as one of our many wonderfully reviewed standalone movies inside of our perspective reviews that doesn't have a sequel. Uh, I kind of have mixed thoughts on it. I know it's going to be hard to get that lightning back in the proverbial bottle. Mm -hmm. And we know Hollywood has botched up far more sequels than they've had successful ones. Mm -hmm. You ready so, for the real Russell case to appear from an alien ship in the sequel? Oh, That's what I'm talking about. Him That's what I'm talking from about. From him being captured 10 And years so, ago. no thank you, come again. <laughs> That's where we ask you guys, what do you guys think is going to happen with the franchise of Independence Day, the original in 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich? Let us know what you think by going to our website over at twoguystalking.com. That's the number twoguystalking.com. Click on the contact button on the top right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think is going to happen inside of the potential sequels, ID4 Forever, Part 1, actually Part 2, and ID4 Forever, Part two, actually, part three. <laughs> so until next time when we review another great movie in an even greater perspective review, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Scott Roberts, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Two Guys Talking Show. We hope you'll tell your friends and co-workers about us, and don't forget to put us on your podcast list. As always, you can visit and contact us online at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm... Oh, holy shit. I am Scott Roberts, your other host. And the third guy in the room is Scott's voice. Hello, Scott's voice. How are you? Yeah, please come back to my throat.